Uh, it's good to see everybody here online. Well, I really, I, I mean, I can't see everybody here because I'm just on, on the laptop here. But um, <clears throat> nevertheless, um, hopefully everyone is well and uh, hopefully that you have to keep safe. Uh, there is a snowstorm that's forecasted. And so um, hopefully we're preparing for that and um, that we all stay safe through the through the storm you know, if there's a storm. But anyways, um, <clears throat> We've been looking and we started uh, looking at what it means to serve. And uh, last week, uh, James gave a great um, exposition on, on what mercy is and its basics. And uh, that's one of the things that we want to do, I think, on the fo this following year is to actually create a community that focuses on, on mercy ministry particularly organized within the church and also to think about uh, those outside the church. And um, some of us might be interested in that. And so we're continuing along these lines, but I do want us today take a little step back. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I did preach from John chapter six, and it's actually the same uh, account or story about Jesus who, you know, does this um, apparent miracle and he feeds 5,000 uh, men, according to the Gospel of John. But we're looking here today in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're looking at um, Matthew's version of that story. You know, one of the things that uh, sometimes I think about when I think about church, um, one of the things I've learned personally for myself is uh, how inadequate um, I am, how, how I guess, uh, sometimes insufficient, or inefficient um, I can be, uh, that there's, um, I've noticed a lot of weakness, things that I wish I could do, you know, and sometimes you, I don't know if, if you ever feel this way that you see something that you need to do and, and it all depends on you and what you are able to do. And um, that's all we see sometimes. And when you see that and you feel like you can't do it or, or you're lacking in ability or, um, you know, resource or effort, it, it becomes overwhelming. You know, I oftentimes think if, if preaching and teaching is my strength, then things like administration uh, is, is my weakness. Um, sometimes I think that if I could just not only just preach and teach, but if I could sing and, and, and do music, wouldn't that be the perfect combo uh, to have as a pastor? You know, you, you, you'd be the, you know, do it all kind of person. And and I can't, uh, no matter how much I want to do. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, uh, that you've got something that you see in front of you that, that you feel like you, you need to do, uh, you need to deal with, you need to handle, but you just feel inadequate um, to do it. Uh, the task looks great, um, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's relationships, whether it's even your own health. Um, and there's this hurdle that you've got to get over, but you just don't feel like you have the strength to do that, or, or you don't feel like you have the resources or the, even the ability, and, 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 you, feel, and you feel weak. Uh, you feel sometimes in, insufficient, and, and you feel like everything depends on you. And when you feel like this, you, you also feel alone, right? You, you feel alone, and you feel like you just can't do enough. And so 
I, I, I am tying this a little bit to mercy because in this passage, after all, you know, Jesus feeds people physically, not just spiritually, but physically. So that, that is a mercy that, that, that Jesus does. But this message is actually for those of us here who do feel this way once in a while, uh, who do feel insufficient, who do feel like there's always a lack and they just can't keep up and, and who sometimes feel alone. And, and so this is my encouragement to you from the Gospel of Matthew. And I've got just basically three points. First, uh, what we see here in this passage is this. There, there's not enough, okay? That's the first point. There's not enough. That's how we feel sometimes. Secondly, there's more than enough. What we learn here is that there is more than enough. And thirdly, uh, Jesus makes it enough, okay? Jesus makes it enough. All right, so simple points really quickly. Uh, there's not enough. There's more than enough. And, and Jesus can make it enough, all right? So let's look at this very carefully. Uh, you know the story already. We, we, we saw this already in the Gospel of John. Um, but you've got to realize this, this event, this, this story, it must be an important one because this is the only uh, quote-unquote miracle or sign in the Gospel of John that's also included in all three other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in John, um, we, we see his version of it, but in John... Jesus asks Matt, or Philip, hey, Philip, where are we going to get the food to eat? But in Matthew, here in our passage, the instruction is a little more direct. You give them something to eat, right? In John, we're told that, you know, there are over 5,000 men sitting there on the lawn listening to Jesus teach. But in Matthew, when you look at verse 21, Matthew mentions it's not just men there, but it's women and children, right? So on top of the 5,000, you could have maybe 10,000, even 20,000 people. It's a large crowd sitting there uh, listening to Jesus preach, and, and they're hungry, right? It's time to eat. They've probably been sitting there for a long time. And what Matthew tells us that John doesn't tell us is, is in our passage in verse 14, Jesus sees that, and he has compassion. He has compassion on these people. For whatever reason that they're there, doesn't matter to him. Uh, he had compassion for the fact that not only were they hungry, but they were also spiritually in need and in hunger, right? And so this kind of ties in a little bit with what uh, we heard about last week with Mercy Ministry, the, the movement to compassion, uh, the movement to fulfill a physical need. There's, there's, it's all here in this passage. Um, but the question here in this passage was this, for the disciples, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And immediately, if you were one of the disciples and you're looking at all these people and they're saying, how are we going to feed all these people, right? That's what probably they're thinking. We zoom in on the disciples and you know how the story goes. Um, you know, imagine the disciples are passing out this, this, this food that they, they have, which is pretty much five loaves of bread and two fish. Um, imagine how skeptical they were by by any other, other measure, because why? I mean, it's understandable, isn't it? After all, five loaves and, and, and a couple of fish, it, it wasn't meant to feed all those people. I mean, what is that among so many people? That amount, uh, what the disciples had, was really insignificant. Uh, it, it's really nothing, isn't it? It's nothing at all. Five loaves and two fish for 20,000 people. Can you imagine that? It, it's just, the first point, it's just, it's not enough. It's not enough. You ever feel like this? That, you know, there's something that you need to do. There's something that, that you've got to handle, but you, you just don't have enough. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough ability. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough health. You don't, you don't have enough uh, resource. You don't, you don't have enough money. 
uh, and you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to do this? Maybe your relationships, you know, is rocky and, and you, you know you need patience, but you, you push to the limit and you, just, you feel like you don't have enough more. You don't have enough patience. If you're a parent and, and you, you're raising children and, and uh, you know, you compare yourself to other parents who seem to be doing perfect and seem to be having great time raising their kids and you're struggling, right? And you're trying to do the best you can, but you just feel like you don't know how. Uh, it, it, you just don't feel like you have enough, that you don't know enough, that you don't you know, have the resources to do what you really want to do, right? It's just not enough. Have you ever felt like that? What were you feeling, right? What were you seeing? And I think if we look at the disciples here, and just to kind of even speculate, what do you think they were feeling? Right. As they saw all those people and here this meager little uh, resource that they were given to to do this great task. How do you think they were feeling? What do you think they were seeing? Jesus, you want us to feed all these people. We just don't have enough. I don't have the ability. I don't have the I don't have the resource. I don't have what I need to do what you want me to do. And as I think about this, and as I think about the disciples, and not only what they saw as they see all these people, they're sitting there and, and, and hungry, but also I wonder what they also felt, right? Because in verse 15, before Jesus even tells them what to do, it, we're told here that the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, this is a desolate place. The day is done now. You've been teaching for a while. Jesus, send the crowds away. Send the crowds away to go into the village and buy food for themselves. You notice even the disciples saw that the people were hungry, right? And before Jesus even tells them what to do, they noticed the need. But before they were able to even think about doing it, their immediate response is, Jesus, tell them to go away. Tell them to leave. Tell them to go into the village and get them own food, get themselves their own food. They knew what was going on. They knew that there was a need and they knew that they just couldn't do it. Right. And so I wonder why they wanted the crowds to go away and fend for themselves. And why that when Jesus asked, well, what do we have you know, in the Gospel of John? And basically they said, we've got nothing, nothing but five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Why would they say that? What were they feeling? And I thought about that. And I think there's a few possibilities that I came up with that maybe they were feeling and that oftentimes we feel when we go through these moments. Three options I thought maybe they could have been feeling through. One is option A, maybe they felt guilt. They felt guilty. They felt guilty that they had nothing to offer. They felt guilty maybe that, that they weren't able to do what, what Jesus was asking them to do or what the people needed, right? I think maybe, as I said, Jesus, send them away, get their own food. Maybe part of them felt a little guilty because they felt powerless. They felt powerless about the situation, right? Second option, they might be, why do they think like this? What do they feel? Maybe, maybe they were selfish, right? Jesus, we, we don't have enough. We have just enough for ourselves. Send those people away. Let them get their own food. Maybe they were selfish. Maybe they're thinking... We need to just take care of ourselves. We, we, we need to keep the little food that we have. We need to keep the little food in our church, right? And, and we need to just let them do what they need to do on their own. We need to keep Jesus all to ourselves and we'll let them go and fend for themselves. Maybe they were selfish. So maybe they were guilty. Maybe they may feel guilty. Maybe they feel a little selfish. But also, I think there's a third option here. As they look at what they had to do and they realize they just don't have what it takes, 
maybe they just had a total lack of imagination, a total lack of imagination, a total lack of hope. You know, that, that old thinking, that old sinful thinking that, well, all there is is all there is, that all we have and this is all we have and that's all there is. So what can we do? You ever do that? I mean, they've got five barley loaves and two fish. You know, the, the people who know me say this about me. When, I, when they ask me, when you see a, a glass half full of water, all right, do you see it half empty or do you see it half full? And to be honest, when I see that, I'm a half empty kind of guy, right? I'm a little bit cynical. Half empty. This is not going to work, right? It's not going to happen. And five barley loaves and two fish to feed all these people, to me, that's half empty. And so a total lack of hope, a total lack of imagination, thinking that what they see is all there is. And here's what I think. I think what the disciples saw as they were looking at all those people and thinking about what Jesus is asking them to do, I think what they saw was the smallness of their resources right, the insufficiency of their ability, and they compared it to the greatness of, of, of the need in front of them, of the work in front of them, all right, of the task in front of them, and I think what they felt as they saw this were feelings of inadequacy, feelings of powerlessness, feelings of insufficiency, inability. There's no way, Jesus, that we're going to do this, right, and it's funny, you know, even as we think about it and put ourselves in that similar situation, you know, we look at our situation, we look at our church or our work, our work area, environment, our family, and we're easily able to point the other finger and say, you know what, we need to get here, we need to be able to do this, but if you would do that, and if you could do this, and if you could like be more like this, then, then we could actually become better. But the question really is here sometimes that we need to ask ourselves is this, what do you bring to the table? You might see the big task in front of you. You might see the job that you need to do. You might point the finger that if you had this, if the situation was that, or if this person would do more of this, you might say we would be in a better situation. But the question that we oftentimes need to ask is, but what do you bring to the table? And even in the church, we might think, well, that the church needs to get here. The church needs to be more like this. We might look at the smallness of our number. We might look at the lack of giftedness or a lack of certain abilities in the church. Or you might even point out the fact that there's a lack of availability in our church and even the inadequacy of our leadership, right? And we look at that and then we look at the size of our need and when, what we think we need to be and we think, well, you know, what can I do, right? Because this is all I have. This is all I can do. And it's just not enough. It's all there is. What more can I do? And it's just not much, why even bother? And sometimes we act as though because of what we're able to do and the smallness of it, the insignificance of it, um, that's just not even worthy to try. It's just not even worthy to bring before the throne of God and say, hey, you know what? This is all I can do. It's not much, but whatever. You don't even try, right? And I think this is how they felt, you know, as they thought about Jesus. And maybe that's what they felt when they told Jesus, Jesus, we know they're hungry, but just send them away because there's nothing we could do, right? But here's what I want you to know. Did you know that every parable in the gospel about God's kingdom, every teaching Jesus had about 
how God creates something glorious for himself starts out with something small. Starts out with something what looks insignificant, insufficient. Never once did Jesus ever say to his disciples that the kingdom of heaven is like a Fortune 500 company with happy shareholders. It's always something small when you look at the Bible. It's always something insignificant. It's always something that people easily overlook. And these are the things over and over again that God uses to reveal his glory. Like a mustard seed, something really tiny and really insignificant becomes an oak tree. It's lesser things that God uses to make greater things. It's things like sinners who have nothing to offer who become saints. It's like poor, weak, marginalized people who are insignificant in the eyes of society that become rich or strong or acknowledged in the presence of God. I mean, after all, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says the very same thing, that God's strength is perfected, what? In weakness. And yet so often we act like that weakness is something that we are embarrassed about, something that we oftentimes feel ashamed about, something that we try and compensate for or make up for and pretend maybe that it's not even there, whatever or however you want to handle that. And oftentimes we feel a little bit of shame or even embarrassment about our lack. When in fact, our lack is what God wants from us. It's always our poverty. Because when all we have is strength and virtue and self-sufficiency, then to be honest, we become like functional atheists. We might believe that God exists, right? But acting as though it really matters, we don't. Why? Because we've got this, right? We're able to handle this on our own. And I'm not sure that God is always impressed with our skills or our strengths or our riches, since in those things, we always tend to lead towards a little bit of pride, a little bit of self-sufficiency, and a little more of functional atheism. So it's not enough as the disciples see it. But Jesus says, it's more than enough. Here's the second point. Let me give you a, an alternative reading to this text, okay? Not the most popular reading, but the possibility, okay? Because whether or not what Jesus does here molecularly, miraculously multiplies the bread and the fish like an amazing magic trick, he feeds all these people, which is a valid and, and, and uh, probably more um, popular reading of this text, strictly speaking, when you look at the text and when you look at our passage, we're not exactly told how that exactly all comes to place, all right? how that all happens, how everyone ends up getting a bite to eat. And I'm sure a few of those people there, they got to eat some of that bread and fish that they started out with, they got to eat, I mean, some of them, a few of them at least, got to taste at least some of the little bit of that something that the disciples had that just wasn't enough for everyone. But here's an alternative perspective or thought, okay? What if, what if all those people that were sitting there on the lawn listening to Jesus, right? What if all of them just didn't come empty-handed, 
what if even the people sitting there, all right, listening to Jesus, that maybe a lot of them, even maybe all of them, they all had a little bit of something that just wasn't enough for everyone. What if here the crowds that the disciples thought that they had to serve, that they had to give to, what if the crowds all had a little bit and somehow managed to open up their stingy, meager picnic baskets and they start to share their fried chicken and potato salad with their neighbors? In other words, as the disciples did their part, okay, uh, with what they were able to bring to the table, so to speak, Maybe what they may have learned, what they may have witnessed was namely that there was more, actually more available to them than what they themselves were bringing to the table. Let me repeat that. What the disciples may have realized possibly as they were doing their part, bringing whatever they had to the table, maybe what they realized was that there was more available to them than what they brought to the table on their own. When the disciples told Jesus to send the crowds away because they just didn't have enough to offer, what they failed to do was to realize that there was more available than what they themselves had to offer. And perhaps then Jesus' injunction against sending the crowds away wasn't just because he was about to magically, miraculously multiply a couple of loaves into thousands. Although, again, that is the valid reading of the text. But maybe he didn't want the disciples to send the people away because maybe Jesus knew that those people that they were feeding also had what the disciples lacked that those people that the disciples thought they were serving also had what was needed to make up for what the disciples were missing. Maybe the disciples, like us, need to be reminded that even when we are on our own and we feel that we, we just don't have what it takes, we don't have enough, we don't have what is enough to, is, to do what's needed, to do to what we need to do, that oftentimes what we need to realize is that what is needed is still there. It's just not gonna come from you. It's gonna come from some other place. It's gonna come from God. It's gonna come from others. It's gonna come from other places. Because in God's economy, that's how it works. That what you have can be enough because what you and I have is never all there is. Not only when we realize that, not only do we not need to feel like we have to have everything to do everything, we, that we have to have the ability to do everything ourselves, we don't need to have that. But we actually, when we realize that, we actually get to witness the goodness of God every time we come up short. And yet things still get done. And I think the disciples here at the end of our story, they see this at the end of our story, that everyone somehow gets a bite to eat. That what looked like not enough on their part turned out to be more than enough, 12 basketfuls of more than enough for everyone. You know, just to kind of put it in perspective, um, 
I would like to say that I am the perfect pastor, right? But I'm not. And I certainly know that every time I see my own inadequacies, my own weaknesses, my shortcomings, not only as a pastor, but just as a person, um, a brother, a son, um, a husband, a friend. And yes, as a pastor. And there are things I, I look at and says, I wish I could do this for my parents. I wish I could do this for my children. I wish I could do this for my family, right? Or I wish I could do this for, for, the, for my church. But there's just so much inability and so much lack in my part that I realize. And I'd like to say before all of you and, and say to you that, you know what happens? God then takes my inability, like measly loaves of bread and fish, and then he multiplied it in my life so that I could be a feast to everyone and do everything that's needed. And certainly that's not true and that's not happening. But here's the thing, I've got to believe that there is still enough, even when I feel like I don't have enough. Because what I have and what I bring to the table, so to speak, is not all there is. The fact is, you, your neighbor, your fellow members, your brothers and sisters, your family, also have much to offer, more than we think. That oftentimes what makes things work is not just what I bring to the table, but what you bring also, and what that person next to you also brings, and what that group of people over there brings. And as we bring these things together, it becomes enough. Because the third point here is this, Jesus makes it enough, right? You feel like it's not enough. It's really actually becomes more than enough because Jesus can make it enough. And here's Jesus after feeding all these people. And you know, at the end of our passage, especially in the gospel of John, the emphasis is this. I fed you bread, but I'm the bread, right? I'm that life. And isn't that what this passage is also really about? Because what did the disciples learn? They come up short, but end up, being more than enough. Why? Because it's Jesus, because it's God who gives giftedness, who gives them the ability and the strength, but also who gives them people as he gives you himself. That is what this passage is about. This passage, this, this miracle is not just about, well, having nothing and then somehow getting something. It's about someone. It's about someone who gave everything for nothing. It's about someone who, despite people's sinful motivations, had enough compassion, in verse 14, to give up everything for them. It's about Jesus who takes something that everyone in the world says is insignificant, inefficient, just not enough, right? Not enough. It's really nothing at all. And he takes it and he makes it more than enough. In fact, he makes it everything. In other words, what we learn from the passage is this, that the work of God is this. He turns what looks like nothing into something, something that he would give everything for. Something that he would give even his own son for. Something that he would even give his life for. His church. Jesus, the bread of life. 
gives his life to turn a bunch of nothing people with not enough into a people with more than enough. He turns them into a church, into a community that he loves all for himself. Why? So that they would love one another and serve one another. This is what we mean when we say that the church is the community of saints or the communion of saints. It's the family of God. The people who had nothing now have everything. Not just because they were able all to share whatever possible little bread that they had with others, but more importantly, they were all one family and they were able to share because they all had a share in the bread of life. So when you think about mercy, and as we're asking you to participate and to serve, maybe in the area of mercy, what you need to remember, not just in mercy, but anywhere you serve in the church, that it's not just you doing mercy to everyone else. It's not just you serving and giving to everyone else, but it's you doing mercy with everyone else in community and for that matter it's you serving also everyone else in community mercy is not one thing that one person does mercy is done in that community as they serve one another in fellowship that god gives and that he creates and this is something that i think we need to work on Sometimes we know something needs to get done, but we sometimes assume that someone else is just going to do it. And we might even say, well, yeah, you know, we can do that. We need to do this, but God will provide. And God does provide. But I want you to consider this. He doesn't just provide me to you, but he also provides you to others. And he provides others to you. And in this way, together, we are to experience the love of Jesus, the bread of life, the Christ in us that feeds people. How? Through people. Through people. And this is how we need to see as we think about giving or serving. And this is how we also need to see our lives as we look at the great task in front of us, as we look at what we think we need to do, not only in church, but in our own lives, at work, in your home, in your relationships. When you think, oh, this is impossible for me to handle. There's not enough that I have to address the issue here. What am I going to do? So let me just leave you with a couple of simple points and we'll end here. First, if you ever feel inadequate or insufficient, unable, just not enough, it's okay. It's okay. Because you and I were never meant to handle everything on our own. It's okay to confess your weakness, to admit your insufficiency, to feel inadequate, because you are not all on your own and all that you have is not all there is and so we ask humbly genuinely ask for help we ask god that god would provide 
but also we ask people that God provides to us. But the second thing I want to leave with you is this. Even as we are feeling these things and going through these things, you and I, we are still, even in our inadequacy, can be a source of strength, can still be a source of hope and encouragement to others who need to hear, to others, whether we talk to them, minister to them, or serve them. Let me be very honest, even when I think about our church, it's been probably 13 years, maybe going on 14, I don't even remember, and I don't really count. But there are many times, especially in the early stages of our church, that I would think, this is just not going to work. It's just not going to work. We're not going to survive. There's no way that this number and these people and this giving and all these things and these resources are going to make this church continue. And it's been 13 years. 13 at least. And to be honest, I still wonder sometimes how much longer this will last. But here's the thing that I do know for sure. It will never have lasted as long this way if it wasn't for you. If it wasn't for that neighbor, if it wasn't for that fellow member. It's not because of one person. It's not because of one pastor. But it is because of all of us, right? Together. Because what I know for sure is this, if it was just me or any pastor, it will never be enough. It would never be enough. But as the community of God's people, the church that shares in the bread of life, it becomes more than enough. And Jesus will make it so. And so I want to encourage you today, not only in serving and serving and understanding what ways we serve, but also in just living your life, wherever you are today. All that you have, all that you see, is never all there is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so